0: Ooh, it's a formidable scent <laughs> it stings the nostrils in a good way yeah Brian, I'm going to be honest with you, that smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know sixty percent of the time it works every time. That doesn't make sense. And so that was actually probably the the darkest time where we had to like lay off half the staff and it was tough. You know what I mean? We were this like Cinderella store, We did 2 million in our first year and seven the next and we we're just growing like 300% year over year. And oh man, we just made a bunch of mistakes. Money, 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 money. That was one of the crazy things is that like in the first month on Amazon, we actually did more revenue than the five months combined of having our own website. Yeah, when you're running out of money, you just become a lot more practical. As interesting as this project is, I don't care now. I just want to make sure that I can pay rent. My name is Fernando Cruz. I just turned 33 and I live in downtown Los Angeles. My company is Marketplace Ops. We've been building this company for about four and a half years now. And what we do is we manufacture and design products that are to be sold on Amazon. We've got about 250 products selling at any given point. We leverage a bunch of technology to get our products to the top of Amazon. And we're in a bunch of different categories, everything from home and kitchen to sports and outdoors, supplements, you name it. And how much revenue do you do and how many employees do you have? This year in 2019, we're on track to do about 30 million in revenue. And employees wise, we have almost 70 employees globally. And what's a profit margin on something like that with Amazon? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So we use a contribution margin as an internal metric and it's about thirty percent. That's after everything like advertising, shipping, Amazon's fees, pay-per-click, all that kind of stuff.
1: So like net profit
0: last year, you did around nine million? Last year we did about fifteen million in revenue. So you can assume like a net profit, depending on how well the company is run, anywhere from like fifteen to twenty percent.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I didn't know it was that high. And actually looked at your numbers because anytime I start hearing like Amazon or Amazon affiliates, it just gets kind of pretty <laughs> sketchy. You know, it's a <laughs> sketchy space. So you actually showed me your numbers and I don't know if enough people know that I actually try to do this from time to time. If I'm not certain about the guests or there's been plenty of other interviews that I've had where midway through, I'm just like, I can tell that it's not a good fit or I'm not sure if I believe the people all the way, but you are open to sharing your numbers, which I appreciate. And maybe is the elephant in the room if anyone's been scared about hearing anything about an Amazon affiliate guys. You actually had the numbers to back it up. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a common theme in the Amazon space where people like photoshopping numbers and all that kind of crazy stuff. So yeah, I was happy to share it. Right.
1: Why don't you talk about this company now, what you do? And you said you've had it for about five years
0: or so? Yeah, it's coming up on five years. So we're constantly kind of scouring Amazon. It's almost like treasure hunting, like looking for products that we see where there's a lot of opportunity. So maybe the competitors in the space like that are existing maybe don't have great listings or they're not using Amazon's advertising, which is a cornerstone of like our strategy, or maybe they have like a ton of margin and we see that. And so we can kind of come in, offer like a Slightly different version. We kind of look at it as like we're creating like the Kirkland signature of Amazon, you know, like Costco's brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically where our unfair advantage comes in is that we create amazing listings and we know how to get those products to the top of Amazon. So we'll come in and take a lot of that market share and just coming up with new fun product ideas, everything yeah, from home and kitchen to pets products, just anything that we can responsibly source. And so yeah, we're constantly learning. About different niches.
1: Could you give us an example of like one of your most successful ones that wouldn't hurt your business as far as if you could tell us where you saw an opportunity and how you're able to rank it up and how much money you're able to do
0: from it? Yeah, for sure. So, some of our early products, uh, let's see, what's a good one? So, we had like food containers. Yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting product. It was like pretty cheap to source. There was only a handful of competitors. This is like early, early on in the business. And I think we were buying like a set for maybe around, $2.30 and they weren't even truthfully like the best quality. We realized that the manufacturer was kind of cutting corners a little bit too late. But yeah, we were selling them for 20 to 22 dollars a set. And so obviously Amazon has a lot of fees that like kind of get deducted so everything from shipping it to the customer to they have like a 15% referral fee. I think we were making about ROI. So if we're buying it for like 230, then we're making profit a little over $11 per set. It was absolutely insane. In terms of like volume, some of those SKUs were generating, I think the whole line was doing probably around 600 to 700K a month. So it was crazy. Yeah. We had to borrow a ton of money from family and friends just to keep it in stock. And it basically funded our company because we hit a home run pretty early on, which was awesome.
1: Okay. So yeah, this was one of your first things actually kind of got you going. It sounds like when you saw that opportunity, when they're selling for, let's just say 250 to make it easy, were you actually buying from that Amazon person and then selling it? Or like what was the process? Did you have to find out who was making that product
0: and go to them directly? Honestly, in the early days, like we were just going to Alibaba and then we're sourcing it actually from the manufacturer, not from the competitor. We're going to Alibaba just saying like, Hey, we want these kind of food containers. And they would send us a bunch of samples. We kind of look at them. We're like, okay, this one has good quality price and the numbers work. And that was kind of it. We ordered, I think 4,000 to start. I mean, we sold out in two weeks. It was crazy. Like we could not keep it in stock. We were having airship thousands and thousands of cartons of these just to try to keep it in stock especially as it started ramping up getting more reviews things like that it was a really really crazy time
1: that was the beginning you're saying about five years ago that's kind of how you got started and example of like how you made arbitrage and made money off that i mean today is it the same process do you go to alibaba to find a competitor product if you find opening in the market or how is it different from what you do today
0: it's pretty much exactly the same process i mean now we have a team in china so we're not on Alibaba as much anymore. But yeah, for instance, we work with probably around 50 partnered manufacturers that can source everything from glass to metals to plastics to whatever we need. But in the event that for whatever reason, we're doing something completely different, let's say like a cloth and we don't have any relationships, our team in China will either use like their own kind of version of Alibaba or like they'll call around to friends. A lot of it still holds true. I know a ton of other sellers that are constantly just scouring Alibaba for new products. So is Amazon.com your homepage? That's a great question. I no one's asked that. It is <laughs> actually it's a little too much for me, but uh, no, it's not.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering how many hours you're on Amazon you say. I just curious. If you wake up, you're needing that itch, if that's your drug, since you made all that money off of
0: it and still do today. Yeah. How often you're on it a day, personally. It's changed. You know, I think when we were a little bit smaller, yeah, I mean, definitely. I was spending so much time because Poking around Amazon looking for products to source is really fun. Like you mentioned, it's kind of addictive because you know that you're going to generate more revenue from that time that you're looking for new opportunities. But yeah, overall, like now that we have a whole product development and sourcing, I don't spend nearly as much time, maybe half an hour a day.
1: We talked about kind of like one of your home runs early on. Why don't we also tell us about one of your failures with one of these Amazon products? What's been your worst failure?
0: Oh man, we have so many. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) this one's a fun one. Early on, right after these food containers, we were really confident. We just thought we couldn't miss. All of our products were success after success after success. And so we started making bigger and bigger bets. And just to give context, when we were first starting out, we'd order maybe $5,000 of inventory to test. And then if it goes well, then we would expand. And so as we were getting more and more confident, I remember we ordered one order and it was $70,000. And that's like without testing anything, these were lockpick sets. And what was really fascinating is a lot of the information around Amazon, like what's going on happens on Facebook for whatever reason, through Facebook groups. And I was scrolling through a thread and it was talking about products to not sell. And at the very, very top, it's like lockpick sets. And I'm like, oh man, what is going on? So I started doing research, messaged the person that posted it and what's going on. And then I realized like through Google, lockpick sets are actually illegal in a handful of our 50 states. And because of that, Amazon decides not to distinguish. And so it basically kicks off all of the Amazon listings for lockpick sets. And we just ordered $70,000 worth and it's already on the boat to come to the US. So it was brutal. So had to like reroute it to the UK where it's legal for whatever reason. And then it took us maybe, I don't know, two and a half years to sell through the inventory, where normally we can sell through inventory in like 60 days. So it tied up a ton of capital. I'm sure we lost a ton of money on it. But yeah, I mean, it was a good learning lesson to do a little bit more research. And honestly, just to make more calculated bet versus just going all in.
1: Well, at least you're smart enough to figure it out because Amazon USA is different from Amazon UK, right? So that's the reason you are able to do that? Right, exactly. Okay. So yeah, at least rerouting it. At least you did it before it was, I don't know, where, does it ship to a warehouse, all these
0: units that you're buying? Yeah, man, exactly. So that's the awesome part about the Amazon FBA model, like a big reason why. And what's FBA in case no one knows? Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry, it's filled by Amazon. Okay. Basically, Amazon has tons of different warehouses scattered across each of their markets. And it's amazing because you can order the products from your manufacturer, ship it directly into Amazon, which is really nice. and then the best part is they handle all the fulfillment. And so I don't have to worry about like hourly employees. I don't have to worry about workers comp. I don't have to like worry about increasing sales in December. Basically, I could be working from literally anywhere in the world because Amazon's take care of most of the heavy lifting of customer support and shipping those products to the customer. And so that's the really awesome part.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's nice that to- I guess 15 years ago this wouldn't even be an option. But as far as everything you just listed, if you had your own brand and I guess dealing with that, like all those different headaches, you found out your niche is being able to find certain products on Amazon, be able to buy them yourself from a manufacturer and then do a better listing, and that's how you make money.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's our unfair advantage. And yeah, actually when we were first starting the business, I remember listening to a podcast with Chris Saka. That was one of his most common questions, asking the startups that he was looking at investing is like what's your unfair advantage and we just happened to build ours around amazon and yeah it was the right place right time so it's been a really interesting ride
1: okay so i think that gives us a good idea of kind of where you're at today i mean do you want to say anything else about the company before we reel it back because i know don't you have the two co-founders as well
0: so yeah in marketplace ops i have one business partner his name is nick young and we're best friends from college so we've known each other for a really really long time.
1: Well, nice. Well, do you want to reel back to kind of how you got started? Do you want to talk about when you graduated college and then kind of take it from there? Why don't we could do that?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. So I graduated in 2009 from USC. It was not the best time to graduate, I guess, with the financial markets. And an interesting time is I was really convinced I wanted to be an investment banker. And so I was really kind of set on that career path. Yeah. I mean, with the financial downturn, they weren't hiring nearly as much. And so I ended up a finance role at KPMG, which was cool. I mean, it was a huge company. I realized really quickly that it wasn't for me and I truthfully didn't like the corporate world. So I only ended up lasting a little bit over a year. And was that in Los Angeles as well? Yeah. Sorry. That was in LA as well. And yeah, truthfully, I was pretty checked out after like a month two. And it was your dream job kind of, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind of crazy.
1: If you ever wanted to start your own online store, there's no better time than right now. E-commerce brings in over $500 billion in sales each year, and that's expected to grow to $1 trillion in the next decade. If you have a business or product idea, you need to be selling online. But maybe you're scared of how much time it'll take to code your own website or how expensive it would be to hire someone. Enter Volusion, the easiest and fastest all-in-one e-commerce platform. Designed specifically for small businesses. You don't need any coding or design experience. Imagine opening the online store of your dreams in minutes instead of weeks. What makes Volusion stand out? Well, you can get stunning 100% free themes built from the ground up with the best in class design and SEO. You can drag and drop your products, manage your inventory, drive traffic to your site, accept credit card payments, and easily connect with your customers. With Volusion, it's easy to get started no matter your business. Then take your sales to the next level with hundreds of free apps and integrations, premium shipping discounts, and in-house marketing and design experts that will help you find your target audience in no time. And with no transaction fees ever, our merchants make on average 2x more than on other platforms. What I like about Volusion the best is the overall clean look of the site and themes, plus the simple integration of other popular online tools. So come see why Volusion is the number one rated e-commerce platform according to Trustpilot. Get a free 14 day no risk trial. No credit card required. Just visit volusion.com forward slash millionaire. And as a special for millionaire interview listeners, get 50% off your first month's plan with code millionaire. This is an exclusive discount available only for our listeners. Again, get a free 14 day no risk trial. No credit card required. Just visit volusion. That's spelled out V O L U S I O N.com forward slash millionaire. And it's a special for our listeners. Again, get 50% off your first month's plan with code millionaire. Well, that kind of sucks because I imagine like, yeah, you're going through college because I graduated somewhere time. Good for you to honestly just even get a job, much less get one in kind of the same realm that you wanted. Right. But after two months, you it wasn't everything you thought it'd be.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think I just had this vision of you'd be working on these really cool deals and making a ton of money and all this stuff. And I I just realized, especially at the time, it wasn't as important. And I just read the four hour work week, which is the best and worst thing you can do the best book in terms of getting you excited about starting a company. But I think it was the worst in the sense that it completely checked me out of work because I realized I could be doing something else that's more meaningful. Or I could be traveling. I could be just doing a lot of other stuff that I felt would be a better use of time. Yeah. So what happened was I started to like really do that book. It really started getting more of an interest in entrepreneurship. And I had never really thought about that right out of school. I kind of thinking more of like the traditional path, you know, you work 10, 20 years, you build like a legitimate skill set, and then maybe you start a company. And at that time is like when a lot of like hot startups were kind of getting more famous. You know, everything from Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook was getting really big, obviously. And I think those kind of Cinderella stories were, I guess, getting more mainstream. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should move into cool companies. And I was basically reading this story from an LA venture capitalist named Mark Suster. And he was talking about this amazing CEO in LA who's starting this company called Better Work. And he had recruited like the best team. Well, him himself was a really prolific angel investor. He had brought on his CEO, Zhao Yang, who had helped start Farmville. And then he also recruited George Ishii, who was one of the early employees at PayPal and one of the co founders of Yammer. And so he built this amazing team overnight. And I was, like, oh man, I want to work there. I don't think there's going to be any better place to learn how to start companies. So, you know, coming from like, you know, a pretty well paying finance job, I interview at BetterWorks, and the only role that they have is a sales role. And do I really want to do sales? Whatever. I really want to work at this company. And so you go through all these interviews and phone screenings and everything. And then they bring you in on a Saturday to interview. I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And it's basically like a boot camp. There's 10 of us. And the first day, I love the sales lead. His name's William. He's like, okay, there's 10 of you guys. At the end of the next two weekends, so like four days of eight hours a day of training, three of you will get off. And if you get an offer, you're gonna have like a hundred percent sales commission role where you have to call like restaurants and get them onto the platform and you'll make like twenty dollars a close. And this is again coming from a well-paying finance job. I've never wanted to work anywhere as bad as this. And I ended up getting one of those three spots. Actually, Nick, my business partner, also got one of the three spots and kind of just propelled our careers down tech. We were there for about a year. And then actually, the company ended up raising a ton of money, like, $10 million in less than a year. And then the company ended up not doing well. So I ended up getting really fortunate and getting recruited to a brand new company. It just came out of Y Combinator, which is a really famous accelerator. But yeah, I got the opportunity to be like director of sales, employee number two with a year of sales experience. And yeah. I mean, at first, truthfully, when the recruiter hit me up, I was like, ah, you know, I'm good. I just saw a company fail in this space. But the recruiter was really smart. He's like, are you too important at this point to talk to the CEO of a white Y-Combator company? And I was like, okay, yeah. Like, I'm not that awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. That recruiter's a good salesperson. Yeah.
0: A say. great salesperson. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I ended up taking the call with the CEO and I loved him. Super sharp, and he sold me on like the vision, how it's different. We need someone like you who has this experience. And can. you're not going to be just another salesperson. You're going to be helping with lead all of our go-to-market strategy. And I think I learned a lot in the, over the last year. I think I can do that. And what was the name of the company? Uh, yeah. So that was Any Perk. And yeah, man, it was the best experience. Yeah. Employee number two. They've raised, I think now, like $25 million last time I checked. I mean, we went from, yeah, like I was employed too. We had probably 50 employees before I left. Yeah, we had no revenue when we started. We were like, you know, at multiple seven-figure run rate. Yeah, and I got to hire like probably 70% of the company. Just everything from the VP of marketing, the VP of product, the entire sales account management, sales development team, all reported to me, the entire support team. It was awesome. I was getting paid to learn how to start a company.
1: I guess it's called Fond now, fond.co, exactly. F-O-N-D.co. seems pretty interesting. So, I mean, just tell us what they do now.
0: Yeah. So now they do everything in terms of like employee perks and recognition. So a lot of different companies, especially in the tech space, will use them for like recognizing their employees, helping improve retention things like
1: that. Okay. Well, you know, that's definitely interesting. I'll have to look into that later on. Maybe you can introduce me to the CEO. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to.
1: I mean, because I think it's a cool concept. So, I mean, basically, it's just saying that for employer rewards and recognition into easy solution, because again, I think even all of us who own our own companies now, you want to recognize your employees as much as you can, right? But then you forget on certain things. Is it fair to give them a bonus or is fair to give them a raise and all the types of situations where I think I don't know if they necessarily help specifically with that. But those type of thought process, I think pretty good, because that's an issue that I know I come up with.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And so you were there for how long? About two years.
1: Okay. And so how old are you now? And then what do you move on to?
0: So yeah, I was there for two years. At that point, I'm probably, I guess, 27, 28. And then, yeah, I mean, I was back in L.A., catching up with Nick again. Yeah. One of my best friends. And yeah, we were kind of interested at that point. I think we were like ready to start a company. And so we decided to kind of do it. We didn't really have a specific idea. And again, I'm living in San Francisco, he's in LA, but we just kind of commit to each other. Like, okay, we're going to quit without an idea. We're not the kind of people that can kind of moonlight and work do this after your day job. And so we both turned in our notice. We started like a month or two later. And so the original idea was that we were just going to buy stuff from China and sell it on eBay. But right before my last day, Make My Business Partner it comes up with this awesome idea that we were super, super excited about. It was kind of inspired by another company called Huckberry. But basically what we're going to do is highlight product that the person that follows Tim Ferriss would love. So kind of at the intersection of technology and fitness and kind of design, all these really interesting kind of like modern products kind of help you make your life a little bit better. So yeah, we were super excited about it. You know, we got featured in a bunch of like magazines. We were building it for about five months. We got featured like in Ink and towards the top product ton and like a bunch of stuff. People weren't buying from a site. They were like, they were coming to our site but then they were probably going to the the brand's website or going to Amazon and actually making the purchase if they were interested. And when I modeled out how long it would take us to go back to like our old lifestyle, it was 18 months. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to run out of money way before then. So we need to figure something else out.
1: Yeah. Before you jump into the Amazon stuff, can I ask you some questions here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Tell us, like, about how much money you were making, and then obviously you both decided you want to quit. Just walk us through that process because you're still pretty young, and then monetarily, I guess I don't know if you just had high hopes that you think, yeah, we're going to be millionaires right away. We want to go ahead and start our own company because you see these other ones getting funded, or just give us a better idea of why you wanted to start this company with your friend.
0: That's a great question. So as the money saved, I was making like a little over two hundred at the time. So I think that was in terms of why we decided to do it. I think we're just confident, especially with me being so early at. Any perk and now Fawn. I mean, I had the experience where I was able to take a company like pre revenue, pre, and then build it up really quickly. It was a great model and we had a great team, but I think having done it once, it just makes you really confident. Okay, I can do this. And yeah, even though like, I had, yeah, a really amazing salary, amazing team, amazing like work life balance at that company, it's just kind of like, I want to do it. For myself, especially before I get older and then have a lot more to lose. Maybe you'll have a wife or kids or you know, a mortgage, things like that. And it just makes it a little bit more challenging. And so I knew that the earlier I kind of took that plunge, the easier it was gonna be. And honestly, I think a lot of it stemmed from Betterworks. When I went from a cushy finance job to this hundred percent commissioned role, then it was kind of that first step of like ripping the band-aid and being like, okay, I'm uncomfortable with uncertainty. And I think That specific decision was actually a lot harder, that first one, than it was for us to leave a much higher paying job and to go start a company just because I'd already done it before.
1: And that makes sense because if you took a hard salary job where you said you're making a lot of money, the one that was 100% commissioned that you had to just even get that job. And then from any perk, I could definitely imagine, or I think the people listening could imagine why you have the confidence of like why you can start your own company. But were you saving all your money too at this point in time
0: to start your own company? Yeah. I was saving a ton of money. At the time, I was really thinking about traveling the world for a while. And so I was trying to lower all of my expenses and try not to like lifestyle creep if you've heard that term kind of where your expenses and everything go up as you start making more money and so yeah i was doing a pretty good job i think i had saved maybe 50k i think at a time that i was there and then we put in 20k to start the company and then the last 30k was just kind of for me to live off of or for that period of time
1: okay so you put 20k in what's your name of your partner Nick. okay nick did nick put in 20k too Yep, exactly. Okay, so y'all both put in 20K, so 40K total to start this company. You say you're finally, you're getting some publicity maybe four or five months in. So you want to jump back into the story there?
0: Yeah, man. So we were getting like a handful of sales a day and we were kind of drop shipping from these partners. And drop shipping means that we're not buying in bulk. As orders come in, then they actually handle the fulfillment and shipping the product for us to the customer. Because you're doing that, you're actually making less money as a percentage. And so our margins were kind of thin. And for us to really scale to get back to our old lifestyle, even though we were growing really fast, we were growing, I think about 15% week over week in terms of users, the conversion rate and the profit was so low. So when you multiply that all out to go back to making like, I think I was looking at 75k for each of us, it was going to take 18 months. And just based on like what my expenses were and everything, I was like, we're going to run out of money way before then. You know, they always say that like, you know, starting a company is like a roller coaster. And for sure, it was really tough for both Nick and I because most of the time I was actually in San Francisco. He was in LA. So we can't even like be together. We joked that we were doing like long distance and we were both so committed to it. And I was, you know, at the very worst, I'm not going to go back and do another sales like leadership role. I'd rather work on the business during the day Get a job like as a bartender or Uber driver at night and just continue to make working on it until something works. Because if I go back, then it's just going to be easy to just fall into that routine of getting a real paycheck. And we were just so committed to it. And we even talked about like, okay, worst comes to worst. Maybe we'll move into his mom's house. He was like, yeah, you know, we'll get free meals. My mom would be stoked. We can just give up our apartments. We'll find a way to make it work. And so, yeah, we were 110% like all in.
1: So you're all in and then so what happens from there?
0: That was also the time where I met a friend named Vince that was doing really well. And so what I really liked about Kickstarter was one, you get a ton of early adopters, which is really cool. But what I realized is that if you create product, you can decide what channel it goes on. You can decide whether it goes on Amazon, whether it goes on eBay, Kickstarter, or whatever, because we were building this small site a lot of people didn't want to work with us because oh like you're not important enough or you don't have enough traffic it's not going to be worth the time and so we were kind of this chicken or egg situation and then one day i was kind of like really pushing towards we should create products because if we create products we can decide where they get displayed or where they get sold and then nick receives like an amazon package and he's like wait what about amazon can we even sell on amazon and i was like oh that's a good question and then so i started doing some research And I'm like, whoa, this is like a growing market. There's a lot of people saying they're selling on Amazon. And I find the course online that teaches you how to sell on Amazon. I'm like, whoa, this seems like pretty comprehensive. So yeah, man, like we just 180 switch. We just kind of give up our site and we just knew this is not gonna really work and heads down like focus. And this is like around December, 2014. Every day we're just reading and watching videos And learning everything that we possibly can about how you sell.
1: So, how many months were you into the other company when you decided, hey, we need to make a switch to Amazon?
0: Uh, It was about five months.
1: Okay. So, that was a breaking point. It's good that you're able to figure it out at that point. And again, The distinction is that for you're selling other people's products on your website, you're trying to have this niche market come here, buy off your website, but maybe they just come look at it and then go somewhere else to buy it, maybe off Amazon or eBay, and that wasn't working for you because none of it was your own product. And now you decided, hey, if we make our own product, then we can go on all these different sites like Amazon, I guess, like eBay or wherever else, and actually make money by selling the product that's our own quote unquote product, right?
0: Right, 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 exactly.
1: I mean, am I missing anything? I just wanna make sure we have a clear distinction on this change, this evolution in your business and how it switched.
0: Yeah, here's how I look at it. If you're trying to build your own e-commerce site, right? For the most part, you need to worry about, first of all, the design. You need to uh, you know, choose your products that you're gonna cater. You're gonna have to find customers, bring them to your site. And then you have to think about the kind of support functions. So how do you get the product from your warehouse to the customer? And then also handling a lot of the support of tracking numbers and questions and things like that. What's amazing about Amazon is that they remove so many of those different variables that you have to worry about. So you still have to choose what products to display and like, you know, how to like display your listing, but they've already optimized for the checkout flow. So like that's already been optimized. They've already found the customers. So they already have. I think last time I read it was 110 million Prime members. They've already figured out the fulfillment side. They've already figured out a majority of the customer support. So it actually helps you really focus on a few different areas like that product development or product selection side, and then how to market your products on Amazon. And that's basically in getting the products to Amazon. But it's way easier to ship pallets or a container to Amazon Then it would be to send out those hundreds of individual packets to home. And so that's when I look at like why the Amazon business is so great is that you pay a premium for sure to have them handle all of those different pieces for your business. And it makes it so that you have a lot more location independence. Like for those of us kind of like millennials that like read before our work week and want to be able to work and travel things like that. It creates like the perfect business model specifically because we don't have to worry about warehouses and like employees and things
1: like that. Yeah, you brought that up earlier on about employees and distribution centers, and then you wouldn't even be able to fulfill the two-day free shipping and all that other stuff, but then you just brought on something else that I didn't even think of. It's like the customer support and all that other stuff. You don't have to worry about driving SEO and shit to your website. Like before, when you said your e-commerce site, you have to worry about the design of the site and everything else. And every customer question, like I said, the shipping, you want to be able to do for the same pricing. And again, it makes sense now that more to me now, why you make that switch. But I guess, were you just learning on these Amazon courses that you were taking to try to figure this out?
0: Yeah. I mean, I got the general understanding of like, okay, at the time there was early software companies coming out. And so, yeah, the course was helpful in terms of just like, okay, here's like the general business ideas.
1: Right. Yeah, the concepts that you got a broad base of why it makes sense to do it, but necessarily maybe give you all the tools or specifics.
0: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, truthfully, it was hard because we were kind of lurking around like Reddit and Facebook. And there's like one guy I listened to like on a podcast that was 400k a month and another guy and Reddit that was doing 40k a month. And we saw these people, but like, you know, very much like we kind of talked about in the beginning is like, I don't know if these are like real, you know what I mean? Like these yeah. screenshots could be like Photoshop. But yeah, we ended up hiring a coach who seemed really knowledgeable. He had like really intelligent things to say. And so I think that what really propelled us is that really early on, like we'd already chosen the products, but the products were like being shipped to the U.S. And that's what we brought him on. And we just got so lucky because we chose the right person. He was super, super helpful, a really brilliant guy. We're still friends today. And yeah, he coached us right in the beginning. He's like, wow, you guys chose way too competitive of products. You didn't order enough inventory and just like helped us with so many of these like sanity checks. And so we immediately had to order a little bit more inventory and kind of, these are a little bit too competitive. Here's why. And then helped us like to making less mistakes than we would have if we just continued down learning everything ourselves. Who was that coach
1: if you don't mind telling us?
0: Yeah, his name's Anthony Lee. So yeah, he's actually a really like well-known guy in the Amazon space now. At the time he was a little bit smaller for sure. But yeah, he's been like a huge mentor for us. So yeah, shout out to Anthony. Yeah, and how much did that coaching cost? Uh, yeah, I mean, at the time, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but it was $600 a month. So it was actually- Oh, damn, that's really cheap. Yeah, it was a really great deal. Yeah, no, for sure. Because again,
1: you were paying for these things and being proactive on it because who knows how much money you saved by just hiring him to do that, right? You can walk you through all these different steps, you know, experience doing it. But again, I don't want to give up the idea that's like five months in that you decided to make a switch in the company that you weren't sold on this brand. Because I could see so many other entrepreneurs just being stuck on like, I want to make this brand, this e-commerce site that everyone buys off. I mean, was it kind of a hit to the ego when you're like, hey, you know, we're not going to make this website anymore. We're just going to sell our own products on Amazon.
0: Yeah, I think there was a little bit of that feeling. I mean, to be honest, in the beginning, we really wanted to follow our passion. You know, we were really passionate. Yeah, We loved Tim Ferriss. Yeah, shout out to him too. We know you love him. You brought him up about five times so far. Yeah, a huge man crush. But I think that was like our passion project. And yeah, when you're running out of money, you just become a lot more practical, right? And you're just like, okay, as interesting as this project is, I don't care now. I just want to make sure that I can pay rent. And so it affected the ego a little bit, but I think like momentum and actually like seeing like growth and revenue is way better to be honest. And oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was one of the crazy things is that like in the first month on Amazon, we actually did more revenue than the five months combined of having our own website.
1: Right. So yeah, I mean, I, that easily make you feel better. After you finally see momentum, it only take me a second. I just think so many people get honed in. i like, Once I make a business name or a product or a website that I'm like, you got to stick to it. But if you just see that it's not working and you realize that you can still get basically some cost fallacy, right? Is that understanding that you put in that time, you put in that money. You're like, I don't want to lose this time and money. But you didn't think that way. You're like, hey, eventually I'm going to have to make money to
0: pay the bills and I don't have a choice. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I got over it pretty quickly because at the end of the day, like I didn't really want to move home or to Nick's mom's house. And so, yeah, I mean, I've always been pretty independent. Even at the time when we were first starting Amazon, like even though we were bringing in revenue, we were not taking money out of the company. So I ended up driving for Uber in the evenings, it just to help make uh, ends meet. And honestly, I think it's a cool part of the story now looking back. It's just like, yeah, I was really committed towards starting this company. So I have like no regrets.
1: I don't think I would too, especially considering where you are now, right? But I mean, if it didn't work out, maybe there'd be some, but you still learned something. I think that's the key that we've learned through other interviews too, is like, if something wasn't successful, just think about the things you've learned. I mean, even those five months, you could say that obviously that wasn't successful, but you learned so much within those couple of months, you're able to start a brand new company and start selling on Amazon. Right. So tell us, you were still in San Francisco at this time and Nick was in LA?
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Okay, so tell us about like that working relationship because again, you started making money the first month. That sounds exciting. And then kind of just take us, if you will, I guess maybe over that first year, how everything went.
0: Okay, so as we were making the switch from our like standalone website to Amazon, that's when I moved down to LA. Okay. And then, so yeah, it was kind of like, okay, I just got out of a relationship. We tried doing this thing apart. It was really hard, truthfully, like especially when you haven't really figured out like your product market fit and like really got the business to work it's hard because you get so excited about this idea and then you launch the idea and it doesn't work. And so it was kind of like, like this roller coaster of emotions. So yeah, we decided that it'd be better if we were in the same city. And so I decided to move down to LA. Did you move in with him? Oh, no, 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 no. So I ended up getting a place with a few other friends actually. Okay. It was two guys and two girls and one was actually Nick's girlfriend that I ended up moving in with. So he was over all the time. The first year was awesome, man. Like we were just working in basketball shorts and t-shirts. Like every day we'd switch off between his apartment and my apartment. Like one of the funny stories was we were trying to save money and we were ordering, we must've ordered like 50, 60 cartons of ice cube trays like these silicon ice cube trays we're trying to save money so we're like oh we'll go pick it up for ourselves instead of hiring a company to do this all for us it ended up just being this like crazy mess we had no idea what we were doing we we're just kind of like we rented like a u-haul truck and you know just kind of hopping around different offices going to customs brokers and then if you've ever seen the movie like war dogs but it's it kind of felt like that where they've like, had this truck full of like merchandise and then we're like loading all these 50 cartons into the u-haul truck and taking it to our apartment and then kind of have all these boxes displayed everywhere like 15 boxes in my bedroom and then finally like taking it to like, ups and stuff yeah it was fun like you're just trying to save money and trying to learn and definitely a huge mistake
1: If you guys haven't heard about Roan, you're really missing out. Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that is engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. They're an absolute necessity for guys on the go. It doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or jumping on international flights. They are your new go-to men's clothing brand. My favorite part of Roan is the comfort of these new shorts that I'm wearing right now. See, Roan makes something for the modern man, regardless of the occasion. In addition to an awesome selection of premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, and swimwear, Roan engineers clothing perfect for the office, long flights, and commutes. And now Roan has just released their amazing new commuter collection, perfect for looking great and staying comfortable at the office. Again, the comfort and quality of my new shorts are what I like best about Roan. And Roan's commuter collection is a performance alternative to the everyday workwear offering everything from pants, polos, shorts, and shirts that are all lightweight, comfortable, and wrinkle-free. The commuter collection is good for all weather, anytime from a weekday in the workplace to a weekend barbecue. So go to roan.com slash millionaire today and use promo code millionaire to get 20% off your first purchase. That's roan, R-H-O-N-E dot com slash millionaire and use promo code millionaire for 20% off. One more time, roan.com slash millionaire and use promo code millionaire. Yeah. So was this before you started doing Amazon fulfillment? You were actually, I mean, for this example, at least you were picking up the package from the port, bringing it to your apartment and keeping it in there.
0: So then we're
1: actually shipping it to Amazon. And you shipped them all to, to Amazon? Exactly. Yeah. So it was just to save the money from like, I mean, how much money do you think you saved doing that? oh dude not enough obviously yeah obviously not enough Probably
0: (laughs) yeah i mean right it was a huge waste of time but i mean that's what you learn you know what i mean
1: right exactly that's important and thank you for sharing
0: that because now you appreciate when you don't have to do that right right exactly yeah and i think for all those that are thinking about starting companies is that you have to kind of put like an roi on your time and i think that was one of the biggest learning lessons it took the two of us to like maybe five hours. And then so when you start like factoring... Yeah, 10 hours total between the two of you then. Yeah. And then if you're like, you know, making $20, $30 an hour like before, then yeah, you're kind of a like break even, right? If we save $300 an hour. But yeah, it's just like a lot of energy and everything. And if you could be really focusing on building your business, that's the best. And so now we kind of hold that as like a value that, you know, we're okay paying a premium especially to Amazon, if it allows us to focus on bigger, more important things that are gonna help us continue to scale
1: Right. Yeah. And again, it makes sense. Yeah. Once you factor in all the hassles and headaches, I don't think enough people put a toll on like the mental tax some of that stuff takes too, right? All those things that you got to figure out, even when you're going to the port and that energy, right, used to do it, not even just the time and the monetary expenses, but that energy afterwards, you're not going to have the same amount of energy to even go back to work or do whatever you're doing to make money. So, yeah, it's good that you kind of learned that lesson. And then how did that first year go, I guess, overall?
0: I mean, the first year was amazing, honestly. We did about $2.3 million in revenue. We ended up having to borrow money from everyone that would talk to us, like friends, family, our moms. Yeah, because we couldn't keep products in stock. It just, we were growing way faster than we anticipated. And it was fun. Like it was just us two, one virtual assistant, kind of handling some support and things like that. And yeah, I mean, we expanded really fast. I'm like definitely like a pretty impatient person. So yeah, just really focused on like, okay, we need to add on to eBay and Walmart and expand to the UK and Canada. And so, yeah, I think we learned a lot through that process, but we grew way faster than we would have ever anticipated.
1: Right. And so was it 2014 was your first full year? 2015. Okay. Yeah. So was 2015, you had 2.3 million. Okay. We've got some time left, but not too much. So I don't know if you want to jump around to other parts in the story chronologically that I think are important for anyone who's listening and what they could learn from you growing this business. And is this one you call marketplace ops? Is that the deal? Yep.
0: Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I think one of like the big learning lessons... Oh, there's so many. But like one is really figuring out what your unfair advantage is and then really focusing on that and kind of trying to double down on that. What we realize is over time, we became like more thought leaders within the Amazon space and really started getting a better understanding of how to get products to rank. And so where it was cool to start doing Walmart and eBay and all that kind of stuff, I think in hindsight, it might've been just better just to focus 100% again towards Amazon since they have the lion's share of the market and it was what we really knew well. And yeah, so we've kind of like launched, you know, other businesses in the Amazon space. We have like an education company now called Seller Tradecraft. That's been really fun, like teaching people how to get up and run their businesses on Amazon. But yeah, what other like cool learning lessons? Honestly, I think building a team has been like the biggest one. And people talk about that a lot. And I don't think it really struck a chord with me until like year two or year three, where I realized, oh man, if I was not focused on all these like less important tasks, then I could be focus on like launching more products and for us at least launching more products has been the fastest way that we grow and then so that was kind of like the first like big epiphany and then it realized like oh well if i teach somebody else how to choose these products and they're 100% dedicated towards then they'll be better than me most likely right and as long as i hire the right person and so then that was like the next evolution of just like okay we need to like really build out an amazing team where everyone, if they're dedicated towards it, this like specific function, they should be better than us. And I think that's what really propelled us in terms of building out a team. Yeah, like now like 70 people. And now I'm much more focused on like kind of retention and like hiring the best people and stuff like that, which is a lot more exciting. And I can kind of delegate the majority of like responsibilities and it gets done way better, way faster than I would have done myself. And so how are you finding these people to hire? Yeah, it's a great question. We brought on like a head of recruiting and HR and oh man, she's been amazing. She put in like a ton of our policies, you know, our vacation policies and like, you know, maternity paternity policies, all that kind of stuff where like I was, I've never done that. I have no idea. She put in like a lot of our flex benefits, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, in terms of recruiting, I firmly believe like the best people aren't looking for jobs. So we hit them up like on LinkedIn, we get referrals from existing employees. We'll look at companies that we feel like are kind of market leaders in the space. And then we'll message all of their team that we feel like are relevant to the role that we're specifically looking for
1: initially, was it like virtual people? Were you hiring virtual staff? Because especially you said, like, I imagine they're all located in different parts of the country or the world. So I think people who want to hire those, even if they're virtual employees or virtual assistants, how you try to keep everyone grouped together in the company culture, kind of like you were talking about earlier.
0: Yeah, man, that's a great question. Yeah. So majority of our team is currently based overseas, outside of the US. Most of our team are like yeah, would be considered virtual assistants, but they're all working full time for us. And, you know, we've, tried to bring kind of the startup tech culture into our company so we take a lot of inspiration from netflix where they've got a lot of great feedback programs they don't brand themselves as a family which a lot of small companies do they kind of look at themselves like as a professional sports team and so that's something that we've really liked and so you know you can't really cut family but you can cut people on a professional sports team yeah that's a good point Yes, that's kind of how we look at it now is that, you know, of course, we're going to invest in people and coach them and try to get them to where they need to be, assuming they're on the team. But, you know, things change overall. And that's kind of how we look at it. We draw a lot of inspiration from them. And honestly, just from other startups. So We're constantly looking at how other people are doing things. Like my girlfriend's company employs something called Radical Candor, which I think is really fascinating. And so that's something that I've been like reading a lot about. What is that? So yeah, radical candor is something, yeah, you just are like brutally honest. Sorry, I shouldn't say brutal. That's not the right word. You're overly honest. So if you're like annoyed with someone, you actually say like, I'm getting kind of upset right now. Why don't we table this and talk tomorrow? So that that person knows there's tension being created or say in a one-on-one, like, hey, when you mentioned this to me, this is how I felt. And I am assuming like, that's not what you were intending. But it's just like having these like really crucial and transparent conversations. And I think it strengthens the culture if you're able to communicate effectively and especially how you're feeling, why you're feeling this way, and it gives you a better understanding. So that's kind of one thing that I wanna integrate better into our culture. We do a lot of video calls. I think mean, that's been really big, especially for like remote teams. Or well, we didn't start that till maybe about a year ago. But yeah, we got a bunch of Zoom accounts so that people can do more like face-to-face conversations. And you can actually read like kind of facial expressions and things like that. So especially as you're getting feedback, it just makes it a lot better. And you can kind of see that person on the other side of the screen versus if you're just doing regular audio, you have no idea how this message is getting received other than like what they actually said.
1: Or that they're paying attention. Yeah, that was a tip we got from one of our episodes, the Belay episode, where he was talking about virtual staff meetings and how once they did video, you could obviously tell if everyone's paying attention or not. Totally. Yeah, I think those are good key points. Is there anything else before we get off, like any last words of wisdom or anything else that you'd want to leave everybody with about building your business and what they can learn from?
0: Yeah, I would say focus is a really big one and one that we mess up a lot of the time. There's kind of like this entrepreneurial ADD because <laughs> that's what I call it. To be an entrepreneur, you have to be like, for a lot of cases, you have to be optimistic. And so because people are optimistic, you can think you can kind of take on everything. I don't necessarily regret that because I think it's really fun to learn how to build new businesses. But I do think focus is like a really key to success, especially if you want to get big. And yeah, I mean, just honestly, it's all about hiring. I think it's one of those things that we learned a little bit too late, or I wish we would have learned earlier. But yeah, how do you build great teams? Because if you can do that, you can really scale where I see like, especially in the Amazon space, and there's nothing wrong with it. But like a lot of one person shop, they kind of own everything from the product side to the logistics side to the customer support. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back is that they're run a one man band.
1: I think you brought up a lot of important points. I mean, your best part or favorite part about growing the business?
0: Honestly, it pushes me to be a better leader every day, you know, the income of like 70 different families. And I think that's like a really exciting piece because you know in the beginning truthfully a lot of what motivates you is you're starting a company you're kind of building your own personal wealth and everything and i think that's awesome but i don't really get as much enjoyment now of like launching 30 new products but i am like really excited about like being able to provide like an awesome lifestyle for our employees especially the ones that have been with us for like a really long time i'm i'm just excited about that new dimension of the business where I can be a better leader. So we actually set a Q1 target for our contribution margin and we passed it for this year. And so we're actually flying everybody globally to Boracay for a few days. And we're just kind of celebrating us for where we've come. And so, yeah, people are flying from the US, from China, from Philippines, like from all over. And so, yeah, I'm honestly really excited about meeting all these people, like for the first time that have been working with us for a few years. So that would be cool. Stuff like that.
1: I think that's important again, like, I mean, even the first year, right? You're more worried about you making money so you can actually keep the business afloat. It's like same thing (laughs) with me, a podcast, whatever. But as you get more successful, you have to find other things because what's that extra 100K necessarily going to be to you? It may be nothing. But if you can actually like focus on other things in your business, you may be focusing on, hey, I've got 70 families. This is a reason. This is my motivation. Now, it's finding those different motivations at different stages in growing a business, I think, seems to help a lot.
0: Yeah, man. Absolutely. Like it's been cool. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have the wife works for you and then she refers her husband and then because she's enjoying working with us. And so she refers, you know, the person closest to her. And like that's happened several times where we have, I don't know, probably like three couples that both of them work for us. And so I think mean, that's like really cool. You know, when you hear of people buying their first home or something because of the pay increase and everything, I think that's pretty amazing or like people being able to work from home where it's been hard to like balance the kind of childcare and things like that. That's also really rewarding. There's a lot that comes now externally that happens as a part of being an employer that I didn't expect. And so
1: what do you think the future is for you and your business?
0: Yeah, we get asked a lot if like we're planning on selling at a certain point.
1: And Are you planning on selling at a certain point?
0: <laughs> Honestly, I love what I do. I don't really see any limitations. We have this amazing team that can accomplish so much. And if we had built a bad culture or something like that, where I was just like kind of dreading going into work every day and or it was just kind of stale, like it wasn't growing as fast, I would probably really consider it. But right now, we're growing super fast. We've got a really cool team that I'm like just excited to work with every day. So I don't see that in the future. I mean, who knows what will happen. Well, it all seemed pretty easy for you. <laughs> we'll see, man. Yeah. I mean, I, there's always challenges. Yeah. But overall, it's really fun.
1: Yeah. No, I'm joking around. And because we did touch about like some of the bad products or whatever you've made. But it seems like after you started your first company, after five months of making that change, that was obviously a significant thing that helped. But was there anything else that personally that you had to deal with in growing it? Because again, once you started selling on Amazon and kind of focusing on that, it seems like everything's been upward.
0: Yeah, we had a ton of stuff go wrong. So one of the big ones, so we talked about that early success of like those food containers that did really well. What also happened, which was yeah, not as fun, was we were so focused on launching new products in different categories. We kind of took the eye off the ball of those specific use. And what happened was a lot of people came in with better options for customers. And so our sales started plummeting but we didn't have really good reporting, to be honest, at the time. And so we saw that we we're launching all these new products that were profitable and we were tracking the profitability. But overall, like our financials were kind of staying the same. And we're like, that's so weird. And after this, like we kind of built out like our own technology using Amazon's API to track profitability week over week, which has been. Yeah, I guess trying to draw like a, a really important lesson is really know your number. It's incredibly important. And I think at the time, we were just so focused on revenue, we didn't really care about your net margin and everything. And yeah, basically what happened is some of those anchor SKUs that were doing over 100K in profit a month went 40K over 60 days. And so it was brutal because we had actually just made some new hires based on you know wanting to grow more and the recent success of like the new product. And so we realized that, oh crap, this product is going to the zero really quickly. We need to make some changes. And it was tough because we had hired people in the US as well as overseas. And so that was actually probably the the darkest time where we had to like lay off half the staff. And it was tough, you know what I mean? We were this like Cinderella story. We did 2 million in our first year and seven the next. And we're just growing like 300% year over year. And oh man, we just made a bunch of mistakes. And so... Yeah, I mean, truthfully, it was like embarrassing and all this kind of stuff, but like make sure that we had enough cash to keep running the company. We laid off some of the staff and I mentioned, you know, we were expanding so fast. So we really decided to focus on like the most important and core things. So we decided to focus only on Amazon. We decided all the other projects and everything we'd get rid of and. There was like a few things that we just needed to focus on. It was clearing some of our old inventory, making sure that the new product launches go well and getting our analytics like dialed in. We only focused pretty much on those. And I think that was like the best thing that we could have done because we just built an engine through that process. Okay, we're only going to do a handful of things and we're going to do them super, super well. And so, yeah, I think think that's been like also, it was definitely like a really, really tough time, but also a great thing that happened early on. And that was year three? That's a good question. We well,
1: said first you did well, second year, then you kind of said...
0: It was like towards the end of year two, I think.
1: Okay. So, I mean, I thank you for sharing that too, because I don't want to think who's like listening like, dude, Fernando, even if they're trying to do similar, all these entrepreneurs he has on, I try to get the up and down stories. But again, the more that we can hear of both, I think it's helpful because... It's like, okay, you're a regular guy. You're not Superman, even though it sounds like it. Maybe up to that point, because there weren't really any things that significantly wrong. But again, when you have to lay off half your staff, you even went through that and other people do. So I don't want anyone to, who's listening to get bothered. Like, okay, all these guys are super
0: successful and never make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I've got a laundry list of mistakes. So yeah, <laughs> if any, yeah, I don't want yeah anyone to think that we were perfect because we have so many mistakes that we've made. But yeah, I mean, honestly, that's how you get better is you make a mistake hopefully in those mistakes that everybody else makes that you hopefully don't have to like help people but you know you just do it the best that you can you know we try to communicate as best we could like understanding like we pulled up the financials this is where we're at and i think once we did that everyone was just like well okay we get it there's no real other option and we did what we could best for them so we helped them with their resumes if they wanted it we made introductions to other founders that we knew we helped them with the recruiting like Everything that we could just to set them up as best as we possibly could.
1: Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. If someone wanted to say thank you for doing the interview, what's the best way for them to reach you?
0: You can reach out on Facebook or my email is just Fernando at SellerTradeCraft.com. And yeah, happy to share war stories and more mistakes that we made if anyone has any specific questions around it.
1: Yeah. And your two websites is MarketplaceOps.com. Yep. And then you quickly mentioned that you also, I guess, recently got into education of Amazon, too. Where the, can they go to learn more about that, too?
0: Yeah, that's on Tradecraft.com. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me. It's been a lot of fun, Austin. Thanks so much.
1: Hey there, Millionaire Interview listener. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it and want to show us a little support, we would really appreciate a five-star review. It helps other listeners find the show so they can enjoy it just like you. And if you're looking for more episodes that are in the product niche, then try episode 11 with Bottle Breacher founder Eli Crane or episode 13 with Sammy of BlackSox.com or try episode 18 with Yak Gear founder Bill Bragman. As always, thanks again for tuning in and have a great day. Join the club by going to millionaire-interviews.com forward slash Patreon. That's millionaire-interviews.com forward slash Patreon to help support the show.